I'm Rob Trzynski. This is Salon of the Refused, where we talk about ideas that are outside the mainstream. Today's episode is the beginning of a series looking at the out-of-the-mainstream ideas that have been most influential on me, which is Ayn Rand's philosophy of objectivism. Some of these are going to be short explainers, like today's, and some of them are going to be longer, more in-depth interviews. But I want to start with the issue that I think is the most important and distinctive uh, philosophical accomplishment that Ayn Rand offered, which is her case for a rational and secular basis for morality. Now, this was the big quest of the Enlightenment philosophers that they somehow never quite managed to do. And uh, because of that, a lot of today's conservatives will point to that and say, well, look, you can't have any morality without a religious foundation. And since you can't have a free society, you can't have an orderly society, it would all be chaos without, a, without some kind of moral code to hold everything together, therefore we need religion. If you look at the supposed other side of this debate, the modern secular intellectuals, you'll find they basically agree with this. They say, yes, there is no rational basis for morality. It's all subjective. It's a matter of your feelings. It's a matter of social consensus. It's a matter of your membership and identity in some kind of intersectional pressure group. So you can see why it would be such a big breakthrough to have a rational and secular basis of morality, something that is neither supernatural nor subjective. I think Ayn Rand provided this, and I think I can explain it to you in about seven minutes, starting now. So imagine that you get up from wherever you are right now, and you walk out your front door, and you're onto the sidewalk, and you decide to cross the street. And so you're walking out into the street, as you put your first firm footstep down, you're looking both ways, suddenly, you see a big giant truck bearing down at you at a high rate of speed. What are you gonna do? Well, of course you know what you're gonna do. You're gonna jump out of the way. You're gonna get out of the street. You'd be a fool not to. But notice that in this very simple example, we have three of the ingredients that we need for a rational and secular morality. Also, first of all, for morality, what you need is some kind of command, some kind of instruction telling you what you must do, what you have to do, what you ought to do. And that's what you're getting there. You gotta get out of the road. The second thing is that for this to be a secular and rational morality, that instruction, that command telling you what you ought to do can't come from a supernatural source or from a guy bringing tablets down from the mountaintop. It has to come from reality itself or to be more exact, it comes from your observation of reality. You know, you know what a truck is, you know how trucks work, you know, uh, that if one hits you, it's, gonna, it's probably going to kill you, right? So these are things that you have as your observations, your knowledge of reality. And it's not subjective. It's not a matter of how you feel about trucks. You wouldn't say, as a non-binary person of color, I generally feel unsafe around trucks, right? It doesn't matter how you feel. The truck's going to kill you, whether you know it or not, whether you feel the right way about it or not. So it's not a subjective thing. It's not a matter of social consensus. It's a matter of the facts of reality. Now, the third ingredient that we need here is a basic alternative. You have to get away out of the way of the truck or else. Or else what? Or else you're going to get killed or else you're going to die. There's an element of reward and punishment. And it's not reward and punishment in a, you know, by supernatural means or reward and punishment in an afterlife after death. It's reward and punishment by the facts of reality here in this world. It's a matter of the natural consequences of your actions. If you take the right actions, if you do what you ought to do, 
you will be rewarded by remaining alive and enjoying all the good things that are possible to you in life. If you don't do what you ought to do, you're going to be obliterated. And it's again, it's a matter of the natural consequences, predictable consequences of your actions. Now we can take this to a deeper level. It's the fact that the truck could kill you that makes this an imperative, that makes it an ought, a should, a must, not just a suggestion. Get out of the way or it's all over. So the absolutism of the consequences leads to the absolutism of the imperative. And this is Ayn Rand's basic insight that a rational secular morality flows from the choice between life and death. Ayn Rand wrote, there's only one fundamental alternative in the universe, existence or non-existence, and it pertains to a single class of entities, to living organisms. The existence of inanimate matter is unconditional, the existence of life is not. Life is a process of self-sustaining, self-generated action. If an organism fails in that action, it dies. It is only to a living entity that things can be good or evil. Life is a binary, fundamental, metaphysical alternative, existence versus non-existence. People say morality is not absolute, tell that to the front grill of a truck. And it's something that's conditional. You have to do some things and not do other things in order to remain alive. And we started with the truck example because it's really obvious. But because it's really obvious, it's something that you don't really need morality for. You just need common sense. Everybody knows to get out of the way of a speeding truck. What you need morality for is when you encounter circumstances in life that are more complex and difficult. Circumstances that require knowledge of human nature, knowledge of history and psychology and economics and politics, and where you have to use that knowledge to create principles about how to act in your own life and principles about how to organize a society. But notice that even in the truck example, there's a whole system of rules. You know, you look both ways and you cross the street, you cross at a crosswalk. For the drivers, they have to, you know, follow the red lights and, and uh, follow the speed limits. This is a whole system of rules put in place with the designed to keep people from getting killed. Morality is a system like that, but giving us rules for much more complex problems. So that's the last element we need for a rational secular morality, the need for abstract principles to guide our choices. Now let's take a new example based on all this. Let's say you walk out your front door, you go to cross the street, you look to your left and there you see socialism bearing down at you at a high rate of speed with Bernie Sanders behind the wheel glowering at you like he does. If you've studied history, if you've studied economics, if you studied politics, if you've watched the latest news from Venezuela, I think you have a pretty good idea what you need to do. The speeding truck and socialism are two extremes from the very perceptual and obvious to the more complex and political. And in between that, of course, there's a whole other range of questions about how you live your life, uh, from about your work, about your relationships, all those other questions, which I'm not going to get into now because I've only got seven minutes. But what I want to show today is how we can derive moral rules from the requirements of survival, from a secular and rational foundation. We could argue later about what those specific rules ought to be. But Ayn Rand summed up how we would derive those rules by a chain of reasoning from our knowledge of the conditions of human survival. She wrote, quote, You must eat if you want to survive. You must work if you want to eat. 
You must think if you want to work. You must look at reality if you want to think, if you want to know what to do, if you want to know what goals to achieve, if you want to know how to achieve them. So there you have the whole chain from the need for survival down to the need for thinking and rules and principles. Notice how all-encompassing this is. When we talk about the requirements of human survival, we're not talking about sort of bare survival, like survival on the level of cavemen. You know, the cavemen survived. We're their descendants, but they lived to be 28 years old, and they always sort of lived precariously on the brink of extinction. You know, a long winter, a bad hunt, and your tribe would be wiped out. We can survive a lot better. You know, we can get to the point where we have eliminated famine, where we cured many diseases. We can get to the point where we are in advanced industrial societies today, where we live to 85 uh, years old on average uh, in a fair amount of comfort. And of course, we could even do better still from here. We can project a future, the sort of Star Trek future in which we've cured cancer. And you know, we look back on chemotherapy as something that's barbaric and primitive, like the medieval practice of bleeding. So the requirements of survival are not only absolute, you either survive or you don't. They're also open-ended and unlimited. You can always do more and have more and live longer and live better. Uh, and basically, you know, move forward into that, you know, Star Trek future. Now, there's one specific aspect of a rational secular morality that I do want to address. And some people object, well, what about uh, certain things that we all recognize as heroic, where people take on incredible risks as firefighters or volunteering as soldiers to fight in war? And we regard that as heroic, but people are risking their lives. How is that consistent with a morality that's based on the requirements of survival? I'll just point out that all the things we do to survive involve risk. You know, every time you cross the street, you could get hit by a truck. Sometimes you have to risk your life to protect your life. So when people volunteer to be firefighters or policemen or volunteer for the military, they understand that somebody has to do these things to protect everyone. But there's one other issue behind that objection. A morality based on survival can justify taking risks. What it can't justify is the idea of self-sacrifice as the essence of morality. And for some people, that's never going to be good enough. They take self-sacrifice or altruism. I mean, altruism defined in its original sense of a morality based on self-sacrifice, about not valuing your own life, about living purely for the sake of others. They take that as the gold standard of morality. But historically, there have been systems of morality in the classical world and especially in the Enlightenment that were not built purely around self-sacrifice, that accepted some idea of self-interest or what the Enlightenment liked to call self-interest properly understood. So the question here isn't, can you find a rational basis for morality? The objection is, can you find a rational basis for morality that meets my preconceptions? But I would suggest that if there's a gap between what the facts of reality can support and what your preconceptions are, maybe it's your preconceptions that you should question first. Yet it's reasonable to ask this kind of question because every time somebody presents us with a new moral idea or a new social system, we want to see what it's going to look like, what its actual consequences are going to be, because we want to know that this is a system in which we can live and survive and prosper. But notice that we're already implicitly judging moral systems by the standard that Ayn Rand champions, the standard of our life, our survival, our prosperity. And that's the contradiction in the conservative objection that 
you need religion in order to have a basis for morality because they will tell us you need God in order to have morality. You need morality because without morality, life would be chaos and you wouldn't be able to have a safe and secure life and prosper and have political freedom. But that's already assuming that the needs and conditions of human survival and prosperity are the standard and purpose for morality. So they're already assuming that secular foundation for morality. And that brings us to another one of Ayn Rand's insights, which is that most people are, are already living according to the moral standards that she championed. Most people are already trying to make the best decisions they can for their well-being and their prosperity, even if they don't feel it's socially acceptable to admit that that's what they're doing. What she does is come in and give that a philosophical foundation and a philosophical defense and philosophical guidance. And that's the sense in which Ayn Rand's moral philosophy is liberating because it's based on the requirements of human survival. It accepts the natural desire to want to live, to want to grow, to want to prosper, to want to pursue your own happiness. To sum up, the secular rational basis for morality is the natural conditions required for human survival and our need for principles that will help us understand how to meet those conditions. Now, I'm sure there are a great many other questions that you're going to have about this approach to morality. What about that whole question of self-interest versus self-sacrifice? All of those questions are gonna be saved for future episodes in this series. What we've established now in a short explainer is what is Ayn Rand's case for a moral foundation for answering all those other questions? If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to our podcast. You can find more ideas and analysis at the Trzinski Letter, trzinskiletter.com. You can also support us at Patreon, patreon.com slash salon of the refused. I'm Rob Trzinski. Thank you for listening.